0: And this week, uh, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week together, together. Uh, we started a series last week entitled This or That, This or That, and it's basically about the choices that we face in life. How many of you know that every day we face choices, right? Listen, as much, as, as much details you put into your hair, ladies, that's a choice, that's a choice, right? What you wear, it's a choice. What route you take to work, it's a choice. Do you do this? Do you do that? We're always facing choices. But here's something to to consider that I was touching on last week. that choices are like trails. They always lead somewhere. They're taking us down a path. And sometimes we make choices without an end in mind. We make a choice without thinking about the results that we can reap. So as I said last week, we make billions of decisions in a lifetime. But statistics prove and tell us that the average person today will make between 6 and 12 life-altering choices for the duration of their lifetime. Only 6 to 12. So here's the thing about life-altering choices. You never know when you're actually going to make one. Sometimes you do. When I met my wife, I did not know that was going to be a life-altering decision. I didn't. But here I am today, and my life is completely changed. It was bigger than anything I could conceive in my mind. God had a plan in the midst of it, and it changed my life. And so our choices matter because they have power to alter our lives. Think about this. How would you start approaching life if you lived conscious of that? How would you approach life? How would you approach the decisions that you face daily? Would you be hasty about it? Or would you take a moment to step back and consider, where's it going to lead me? Where's this going to guide me? And so last week we learned that God has bestowed upon us the responsibility of making our own choices. See, you are the navigator of your life. God has given you the map. He's given you his word. Let's look at the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 19. And watch what it starts off by saying. This is God speaking through Moses unto the people of God. By the way, by the way, this still applies to us today. He's still speaking to us in this in this manner. And so he says, "Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice. A choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, his decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. Watch this. If you do this, if you do this, you will live and multiply the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and death and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make, oh that you would choose life, so that you and your descendants might live. You know, despite the fact that this is under an old covenant, we see something here. God is speaking to his people and he's not telling them I'm going to curse you. He's not telling them I'm going to destroy you. He's saying I'm giving you life. Jesus put it this way. He says, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so God offers life. God offers prosperity. God defines a path unto all of us that predetermines that we are meant unto good things in life. We're blessed for a reason. But God says this, you choose it. You either choose the life that I'm offering you or you choose the opposite, which leads unto death. And so we are faced with choices. Our choices, think about this, if our choices matter because they have power to alter our lives, shouldn't we then seek to make wise choices? Shouldn't we want to make choices that actually end up with God-given results? See, the difference maker between good and bad choices is what we come to trust and rely on. Think about this. Every time you make a choice, you're making a choice based on something you believe. Something you accept, acknowledge, and in your mind, know to be truth. But here's the litmus test. What are the results you're getting? What are the results you're getting? Because the results we get are indicative of the choices and the truth, quote unquote, that we're relying on when making these choices. So I want to start off with a... uh, With a quick point here that today I'd like to talk to you about the voice of God. Learning to rely upon God, what he is speaking, not simply going by what a pastor says, not going by what televangelist such and such says, not going by what prophet such and such says, not going by what this author wrote in his book and what this person tweeted and what this person put on their Snapchat account, none of that. Simply relying on the voice of God, what God is speaking. Let me give you an example of the power of truth, of the truth that we rely on. Reminds me of an analogy, a story that I once read in a book entitled Irresistible Grace by a guy named, uh, I believe it's Tim Jones. Um, And he says in one of his his, uh, chapters, he says, I never dreamed that taking a child to Disney World could be so difficult or that such a trip could teach me so much about God. Our middle daughter had been previously adopted by another family. I am sure that this couple had the best of intentions, but they never quite got around to integrating her into their family and with their biological children. After a couple of rough years, they dissolved the adoption and we ended up welcoming an eight-year-old girl into our home. For one reason or another, whenever whenever our daughter's previous family vacationed at Disney World, they took their biological children with them, but they left their adopted daughter with a family friend. Usually, at least in the child's mind, this happened because she did something wrong that precluded her from going on the trip. She believed that something was wrong with her. She believed she didn't belong. And so by the time we adopted our daughter, she had seen many pictures of Disney World and she had heard about the rides and the characters and the parades. But when it came to passing through the the gates of the Magic Kingdom, she had always been the one left on the outside. Once I found out about this history, I made plans to take her to Disney World the next time a speaking engagement took our family to the southeastern United States. I thought I had mastered the Disney World drill. I knew from from previous experiences that the prospect of seeing cast members in freakishly oversized mouse and duck costumes somehow turned children into squeamish, squirming bundles of emotional instability. What I didn't expect was the prospect of visiting this dream world, that visiting this dream world would produce a stream of downright negative behavior in our newest daughter. In a month... In the month leading up to our trip to the Magic Kingdom, she stole food when a simple request would have gained her a snack in school. She lied when it would have been easier to tell the truth. She whispered insults that were carefully crafted to hurt her older sister as deeply as possible. And as the days on the calendar moved closer and closer to the trip, her mutinies multiplied. A couple of days before our family headed to Florida, I pulled our daughter into my lap to talk through her latest escapade. I know what you're going to do, she stated flatly. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? The thought hadn't actually crossed my mind, but her negative downward spiral suddenly started to make some sense. She knew she couldn't earn her way into the magic kingdom. She had tried and failed that test several times before. So she was living in a way that placed her as far as possible from the most magical place on earth. In retrospect, I'm embarrassed to admit that in that moment, I was tempted to turn her fear to my own advantage. The easiest response would have been, if you don't start behaving right, you're right. You want, we won't take you. But by God's grace, I didn't do that. Instead, I asked her, is this trip something that we're doing as a family? She nodded, brown eyes wide and tear rimmed. Are you part of this family? She nodded again. Then you're going with us. Sure, there may be consequences to help you remember what's right and wrong, but you're part of our family and we're not leaving you behind. I'd like to say that her behaviors grew better after that moment. They didn't. Her choices were pretty much spiraling out of control at every hotel and rest stop all the way to Lake Buena Vista. Still, we headed into Disney World on the the day that we had promised, and it was a typical Disney day. Overpriced tickets, overpriced meals, and lots of lines mingled with just enough manufactured magic to consider maybe going again someday. In our hotel that evening, a very different child emerged. She was exhausted, pensive, and a little weepy at times, but her month-long facade of rebellion had faded. When bedtime rolled around, I prayed with her and held her and asked her, So how was your first day at Disney World? She closed her eyes, snuggled down into her stuffed unicorn. And after a few moments, she opened her eyes and ever so slightly said, Daddy, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It's because I belong to you. It's because I'm yours. See the power of clinging to faulty truth? It leads to wrong results. And the the thing about it is that just as just like this little girl, when we make bad choices, the root of our results isn't our behavior. It's the truth that we somehow believe is true, but our results actually dictate to us that they're not. That makes sense. And so in the midst of the countless choices that we face on a daily basis, there's one source of information, one voice that we can often neglect, and it leads us to reap wrong results. It's the voice of God. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. But in this, in, in this short uh, account of an encounter that Peter has with With Jesus, what we're going to see is that that Peter has an an almost missed encounter that altered his his life. Had he not made the choice he made, he would have missed where God was leading him. And so let's pick up at verse one. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So what's happening? He's teaching and all these crowds come and they're pressing all upon him. And so verse two tells us that Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. They were ending their day. And so verse three says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, while this encounters an encounter in the life of Peter, it's, ve- it's very telling of our lives as well. I'm going to tell you why. Because like Peter, we all find ourselves in life in places where we're doing our own thing. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Peter was a fisherman. When, we, when, when you dig into this, what it's not telling us is that Peter was just fishing that day. Peter was a fisherman by trade. Peter was a fisherman by lineage in his family. Peter, it, this was his identity. What you might not know is that back in these days, the custom, the times, what it dictated is that your career was defined not by the choice you made. It wasn't like Peter one day woke up or this day he woke up and he says, you know what? I'm going to switch careers and I'm going to fish. No, actually, in those times, if you were a fisherman, it was because your father was a fisherman, because your grandfather was a fisherman, because your family was, comes from a line of fishermen. And so for Peter, it wasn't just that he was fishing. This was his identity. This, was, this, this is what his purpose was in his mind. And so Peter's doing his own thing. Now, for some of us, our identity who, how we see ourselves and, and and what our own thing is, it could be the work we do. You ask somebody, hey, tell me about yourself. And usually what they'll tell you, especially guys, is they'll say, I'm a construction worker. I'm a carpenter. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I work in an office. I work with kids or whatever. But the thing is that in Peter's mind, just like Peter, for us, sometimes we equate who we are and what life is about according to the things we're doing. And Peter was doing his own thing. And here's the thing about that. That Peter was an expert here. Peter understood what it, all it took to fish. Peter understood what it was to navigate choppy waters. Peter understood what it was, how much he needed, how much, how much they had to catch. He understood how to mend the nets, how to wash the nets, how to navigate the boat. And so Peter understood fishing. But in the midst of doing his own thing, Jesus shows up and Peter comes to a crossroads in his life. Listen, this was a defining moment that changed his life based upon a decision. I'm sorry. So up until this point, Peter is a fisherman. This is his profession. This is how he sees himself. But you got to understand something that Peter goes on to eventually become an apostle. Peter becomes one of the founding fathers of the church. Peter becomes one of those people that till this day is still impacting the lives of people by what he received from Jesus, by this encounter with Jesus. But none of this would have been possible if he had not come to the point where he listened to what Jesus said and he chose something differently. Notice this. Jesus says to Peter, Hey, from now on, there's a better choice for you. You've chosen fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Fisher of men I've got something Better for you And so At surface level It would seem That of the two people In the boat That Peter was the one That was the expert there But as we'll see Upon deeper uh, Upon looking at this deeper Jesus knew better then And let me just encourage you With something Jesus still knows better now Jesus still still knows better about the path for your life. And so while we face choices, we should learn to lean upon the voice of God that beckons us and points us to the truth of his word, which defines a path for us in life. That makes sense? So when, when I think about this story, you know, I'm a very visual person and, and I'm imagining this and, and I'm, I'm, I'm picturing Peter saying, Jesus, come on, man. We were fishing all night. We threw all the nets. We caught nothing. We're just pulling and we just finished washing all the nets. But Jesus says, I want you to go deeper. I want to pause right there for a moment because in life, we go to the limit that we know. We go to the point that we're comfortable with many times. But I want you to see that if you're to experience the power of the wisdom of God, you've got to go deeper with Jesus than where you are. You've got to go deeper than what you perceive God to be. You've got to go deeper than your understanding of the word of God. You've got to go deeper in terms of your relationships amongst the body. You've got to go deeper into into gleaning and, and, and providing unto people what you're receiving. Because as you give, you get and you grow. And so listen, Jesus says, I want you to go deeper. Go deeper. Because when you go deeper, what you'll find is that's where God's answers are. So we can't stay where we've grown comfortable to be. And at this point, when Jesus says to Peter, hey, go deeper, Peter's faced with a choice. Initially, he says, man, we did that already. Been there, done that. It kind of sounds like us when God's talking to us. But I know what your word says, God. I got this figured out. I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, I'm just being a good Christian person. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this plan. You, you've got your plan. You see how everything's supposed to work out. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You can't stay there. There's more in store, right? And so at this point, when Peter's faced with this encounter with Jesus, he's faced with a decision. Do I trust my experience and what I know? Or do I trust Jesus, the one who's calling me to greater things? And as we know, Peter chose the latter. And as a result, his identity, his life's purpose, and the plan for his life were drastically altered. Right? Peter almost missed his life calling. But the determining factor was the choice he made in response to the voice of God. How he responded to what Jesus was beckoning him to. Any one of us can find ourselves at any given point in this same situation. Where God is speaking to us, where the word of God is opening up to us, and we're gleaning understanding, and we're beginning to see things differently. But the determining factor is how we respond. Every day, you and I are faced with a choice. I'm not talking about your hair, ladies. I'm not talking about what you're going to wear I'm not talking about the car you're going to buy. I'm not talking about the career change you're going to make. I'm talking about a life altering choice that we can make every single day. You know what that choice is? It's a decision to reconcile ourselves with this one question. Do you trust and listen to God or not? Do you trust and listen to God or not? Is what you're hearing from his word true or not? See, how we respond to God makes all the difference in the choices that we make. How we respond to God makes all the difference. So turn with me in your Bibles for the next couple of moments that we have here. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, and we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. And I want you to see how it starts here. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With how much of your heart? All of it, right? All of it. So what does that mean? How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked that question because we're going to dig into that. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. See, when it comes to making choices, what we have to remember is this, that God is our greatest resource. God's word is our greatest resource. God's leadership, his guidance, what he's he's revealing to us according to his worth. That is our greatest resource. And according to the scripture, you know what's not our greatest resource? Our own understanding. Our own understanding. How many of you know that your understanding is limited? You you know that, right? Our understanding is limited. I equate it to being on a motorcycle. Yesterday, I got about 30 minutes, 25 minutes or so between some meetings and stuff to just get on my bike and get out. And I said, I'm going to go as far as I can, as fast as I can where I got to go. I wasn't reckless, by the way, but I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on my bike and I'm, and I'm coming up this hill and uh, it's a back road. And this it, 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 it's, it's kind of a steep hill, but I get to a point where the, the hill, as I'm approaching the hill, it's cresting. So it's, I'm on a curve. And as I'm approaching, I can't see beyond that curve. When you're on a motorcycle, here's something you need to know. Here's what they teach you when you're first starting. When you get on your bike, when you approach a crest, what they say to you is slow down. Because you can't see over that crest. So you have to downshift, slow it down a little bit, so that as you approach that crest, you're not caught by surprise By what you see as you approach it. Why do I share that with you? Because in the same way, our understanding provides us a limited view. It only allows us to see, but so far. And when you think you're getting to the top and you think you got this all figured out, what you may not know is this. What's at the other end of that? But you know who does know that? God. You know who knows best? God. God knows best. And so we can't rely on our limited understanding. You know, think about this. The scripture says, and he shall direct your paths. He shall direct your paths. You know what it it says in in the Hebrew there? It says, he shall make your paths straight. And so in life, we've got ups, we've got downs, we've got this way, we've got that way, we've got this, we've got that. We're faced with decisions. We have all this information. And in the midst of it, God is saying, don't go this way. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look back. don't Don't look to this person. Don't trust this. Look to me because I make the path straight. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That word trust there in the Hebrew um, it means that we put all our hope and confidence in God. Now, I'm going to get real Bible geeky here with you guys for a second, so just bear with me. But it's interesting, in the ancient Hebrew, what we think of as letters, when you see ancient Hebrew uh, lettering, uh, what we think of as letters are actually derived from an alphabet system that depicts uh, symbols which symbolize animals, Tools or parts of the body. And what's interesting is that this word here, trust, in the Hebrew, you know what it depicts? A person lying down. I'll tell you why that's interesting. Because don't we equate laying down as consistent with a state of rest? Laying down like I'm done with my day. I'm letting everything go. I'm laying down... Let me, let, me, let me show you what the scriptures are showing us here, what, what, how powerful this is. When you trust God, you rest. You rest, you're confident in Him. You take the emphasis off of you, and you place the emphasis upon what He's done. You rest in Him. I, I, I believe, uh, I, I heard someone once say this uh, uh, not too long ago. He says, when you work, God rests. When you work, God rests. But when, when, when you rest, guess what you discover? What God's at work at doing. Isn't that powerful? And so we should learn to trust God in that way. And in verse 6, when it talks about acknowledging him in all our ways, it's, it's referring to seeing and giving recognition. And so think about this. God is present. Whether you know Jesus or not, here's what you need to know, that God loves the entire world. What he did, he did for all mankind. And so whether you know him or not, whether you believe in him or not, whether you've accepted him or not, here's what you need to understand, that God is always present and God is always speaking and God is always revealing. The question is, are we acknowledging his presence? Are we acknowledging it? Are we acknowledging it? It reminds me of a time in the Bible, a guy named Elisha. This guy was a great prophet. I mean, this dude used to do some amazing things. And so the, the way that the Bible recounts it, uh, Elisha always knew what was going on uh, in the enemy's camp, what their plans were. And so he was constantly spoiling them. And so this, this king, this wicked king, gets to a point where he goes, Man, what is going on? How does he know this? And so he gathers all his armies, and he sends them over there to go get Elisha. So they show up, and Elisha comes out of his, of his where he was with his servant, and his servant freaks out. He's like, We're going to die. It's, it's all going to go bad. But watch Elisha's response. Elisha, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want you to think about this. God is always present, and his voice is always speaking. Trust and acknowledge him in your life. Let me put it to you simply. Act like God is really there because he is. Act like God is speaking because he is. Acknowledge God's presence in your life. And so, let's turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 2 and 3, which is going to lead us to our next point. It says, "Thus says the Lord, who made it the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Show, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. While the people of Israel found themselves in captivity and living in ruins, God tells Jeremiah of the restoration that's to come. He reveals to him what he's going to do by his hand. And in times when life doesn't make sense and when things just aren't working out, we got to keep something in mind. We, got, we can learn something from what God says to His people. God says, call to me. God says, ask me. God says, look to me. Because He already has the solution to the very things that we're facing. Always. Always. See, God doesn't want to withhold anything from us in the midst of our decisions. You know what the Bible says in the book of James? It says this. It says that when we lack wisdom, we should ask God who freely gives wisdom. Freely. It doesn't cost you and I anything. God's not asking us to earn anything from him. God's saying, trust me. God's saying, know me. God's saying, listen, you might see certain parts. You may have even gone to school for some of this stuff. You might have some life experience, but I'm the one that created everything simply by my words. So trust my words, which are life-giving. Trust the path that I'm defining for you. Allow me to show you something better. Allow me, allow my voice to give you truth. Listen. We've all been at the place where we've made bad choices. Maybe, just maybe for some of us, you might find yourself in a place where you're reaping consequences for bad choices you made. You know, God didn't get you there. But I can tell you this, God can take you out of there. Trust the voice of God. And so, in Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says that the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. But watch this it says so that i know how to comfort the weary morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will did you catch that every day is a day full of understanding according to god's wisdom because every day god is making it available to us are you listening are you listening Are you listening to the voice of God? Let me take that a step further. Are you positioning yourself? To hear the voice of God. Are you intimate with his word? Are you surrounded by people that give you a life-giving message as opposed to just giving you rules based on religion? Are you looking to a God and seeing God in a way that is completely different from what this world has defined? You know, we live in a world today where people will blame God for everything. But God is always good. He's consistent with his nature and his word reveals it. So instead of trying to figure it out on our own, instead of leaning upon the ways of this world and what people say or what popular popular opinion dictates, why not lean in and position yourself to hear God? To know God. It's in that place that you'll discover his best. As we close here today, I want you to consider the words in Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 2. And we're also going to look at verses 11 through 12. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. This is speaking in reference to us coming to a place where we trust in Christ as our high priest. Where we no longer have to do anything for God or provide sacrifices unto God for our shortcomings. And what he's talking about is that we all are called to enter into this rest. But watch how we enter into this rest. Verse 2 tells us that those that did not enter into that rest did not do it because, they, because the word that they heard did not profit them. You know why it didn't profit them? Because there was no response of faith. When we we receive the word of God, when you hear God speaking, listen closely, faith is what beckons us to act upon it. To trust God beyond what we see, beyond what we feel, beyond what we've known, beyond experience, beyond opinions of people. Faith is what draws us out. And when we hear God and we act in faith, guess what we get? We get God's results. Not good results. We get God results. And so in verses 11 and 12, it says this, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God, is living and powerful. I said, for the word of God is living and powerful. And watch this; it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of your soul—that's your mind and your spirit, the most inner part of you—and and of the joints and your ma- and, and, and of marrow. This word of God touches every part of our being. But watch this; it says it is a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Listen. As we close here today, I want to encourage you with something. There's many forms by which we can adopt hearing the word of God. For some of us, we just go to church. Cool. That works. That's good. For some of us, we might lean upon somebody who's got a little bit more experience. Maybe they're mentoring us. Maybe they're helping us. Maybe they're discipling us along the way. Cool. Maybe it's a group of people that you lean in on. Maybe it's your small group that you go to our connect groups. Whatever. All those things are good. But can I say something to you? All those things are secondhand. Right. Amen. Hear what I'm saying? All those things are secondhand. Because at the end of the day... It is when God's word speaks directly to you that it discerns every thought and intent of your heart. It clarifies every situation. It gives you the wisdom that's necessary. And that's what we need if we're to make wise choices. That's what we need if we're to choose between this or that, get a word from God. Don't depend on people. Don't depend on a televangelist. Don't depend on a sermon you've heard. Don't depend on a second-hand relationship when God calls you and I to a first-hand experience and life-altering encounter that will take you above and beyond anything you could ever ask or think something that clarifies everything that makes life make sense and changes the path that you follow. I'm encouraging you today trust God I'm encouraging you today acknowledge the God who's in your life the one that walks alongside you the one that looked upon mankind and didn't see fault but you know what he saw his perfect plan and so he gave his son to undo the very thing that we did so that we could become what he became righteous holy accepted children of God tell you something. When it comes to the choices that we face, the information that we rely upon should be solid. It must be solid. It must be dependable. It must be credible. It must be truth. Nothing compares to relying upon God's voice. You know why? Because it is guaranteed. I'm telling you, make a life altering decision. Make a choice daily. God, I want to hear your voice. God, speak to me by your word. God, give me wisdom. Wisdom how to raise my kids Wisdom how to deal yes. with, with the difficulties of life Wisdom with the choices that I have to make uh, for my future Wisdom as to what you're calling me to And what, 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 what's the ministry that you have for me Wisdom yes. for how I relate to my husband and my wife Wisdom for how I manage my family Lord give me wisdom God gives it freely Trust God yes. and, I, and I will leave you with this yes. Don't make a move until you get a word yes. from God don't make a move until you get a word from God. Last year, we did an event um, that we called our Super Soaked Summer Bash. We brought in a 6,000-gallon water truck out to the, the football field out here. And we had uh, 100 foot, 150 foot, something like that, slip and slide. And we had water games and all this kind of stuff. And we had free hot dogs. And we brought in a Christian DJ. And we did all that. And the whole idea of that event was it it was almost like a community there. We had about 550 people that came out for our first one. This year, we're going to do it again. It's going to be bigger. We're going to up the ante. How many of you know that here we do everything in excellence? And so that's what we're doing. And so, but last year when we were doing that, the truck driver that brought the the truck, the the water truck says to me, he says, pastor, let me ask you something. How did you come to decide that you guys were going to establish your church in the city of Newburgh? And he says to me, it must have been the need. It must have been all the need that you saw. And I never thought of that up until that point. And I said to him, you know what, John? Actually, no, it wasn't the need. I said it was a word from God. Because we left a ministry that was well established. We lacked nothing. And we took a step knowing that God had called us, but it wasn't until we came across Isaiah 43 that we understood it's time to go to those desert places because you're going to open up a path and there are going to be streams of life that are going to flow into lives and people's lives. And so this day we went from five people to 12 people and now we have over 200 people that call church at the bridge their home and we're still moving forward, but it's all based upon a word from God. Trust God and move according to God's word and God's word.